It's time now for The Road with Pastor Teacher Steve Holt. As long as we are so fearful of doing anything in the Middle East, ISIL's gonna grow stronger. I know history pretty well. And it really reminds me of 1932 to 1939 in Europe with Adolf Hitler, where we did nothing and we're doing nothing now. Welcome to another edition of The Road with Pastor Teacher Steve Holt. Steve is the head pastor of The Road in Colorado Springs, Colorado. It's our vision to make wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ and to see you grow in the grace and knowledge of His love. If you're in the area, we welcome you to come out and join us for our Saturday night service beginning at 6 p.m. We meet at Chapel Hills Church located at 2025 Parliament Drive, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80920. Today on the road, Pastor Steve will be continuing his series on spiritual warfare. He'll be discussing how to destroy the works of the devil. You'll learn that the most consistent way to break the power of the devil and demons over your life is to build up the works of the Spirit in your heart. So, if you have your Bibles handy, our teaching will be from the book of Romans, chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Here now is Pastor Teacher Steve Holt with today's message. Turn your Bibles to Romans 8. Um, Last week, we went through the first half of Romans 8. And again, our thesis last week was the greatest defense is a bold offense. And a bold offense is not focusing on demons, but rather focusing on Jesus in our life. And that the Spirit-filled life really centers around the building up of the works of the Spirit over your life, not focusing on all your issues. For example, Air Force Academy cadets, um, they, they really work hard for four years at the Air Force Academy, but when they graduate, they know very little yet about how to fly a, a fighter plane. Okay, so then they go to pilot school, right? And so the reality is most believers are like Air Force Academy cadets. They may have been going to church their whole life, listening to messages their whole life, maybe grew up in a Christian home, but they've actually never been trained to fly the plane, and so I feel like that's our responsibility here, guys. My responsibility is not to be the greatest evangelist of Colorado Springs. My responsibility is not to be the coolest church with the coolest uh, light show or, or the greatest worship or any of that. that. That means very, very little to me, actually zero, okay? Our job here, as I read Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, is to equip you to be godly parents, to be godly workers in your jobs, to be disciples. And that's, pretty, that's a pretty big calling because the reality is you're surrounded by demons. You guys are, some of you are packing some growlers right now. I mean, you, you're packing some and you just think it's normal. It's not normal. I mean, it's normal in the church in America, but it is not normal as God meant it to be. In your life. Does that make sense? So I remember walking around as a kid and I got involved in gymnastics when I was in ninth grade. So I go to gymnastics and um, I'm trying to do all the stuff and I had a really lousy coach. The guy was really terrible. He was a track coach and he got extra money, I guess, for doing gymnastics. So anyway, it was a, it was a terrible year. And I just, you know, I just kind of flittered my life away, but I'd seen the Olympics. So I saw those guys and I'm, man, I, you know, I want to do what they do. 
And so I just kept trying, and I was just always screwing up until the next year a new coach came. That coach came, Coach Boyer, who had been 25th in the nation on rings for University of Georgia. And he came, and he knew the fundamentals, guys. He understood how to stretch. He understood basics. And with the basics, we took off as a team. And so I ask you to bear with me that sometimes we're talking basics here because it's not getting done in our homes. It is not happening. So, you know, I talk about PB&J. You know, if, you, if you'll do this, you'll cover 50% of your problems. I'm serious. If we, will, if we will spend time in God's Word every day, even if it's really, really boring. And by the way, when you look at this list of what we got you, we got you going through Daniel, Ezekiel, Jonah, Amos. Um, I mean, honestly, those are kind of boring books. I'll be honest with you. It's boring. But if you go through them every day, God will change your heart. And he will. And he'll give you a word. He'll give you a revelation that you didn't think that you had before. So last week we went into Romans 8. Look at verse 1. Verse 1 is really key to the whole chapter, quite frankly. Um, So I'm just going to review really fast. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk, circle walk, according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So what we talked about last week is you got to walk this thing out. In the power of the Holy Spirit. It is daily. It is a relationship that happens when you go to work. It's a relationship at home. It's dinner together and talking about the things of the Spirit. It's walking in the Spirit. Then look at verse 5. For those who live, live, circle live, according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live, circle live, according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. It's life. It's a walk. I remember Ruth Bell Graham talking about her marriage to Billy Graham. She said, the only problem with being married is that it's so daily. You know, it's like everybody likes to, you know, get a, have a retreat or something like that. It's really cool, you know. Go to maybe Disneyland together or you go to Europe or something like that and, or cruise or whatever. But it's the daily part that really makes the life, right? Okay. So the daily is the hard part. And so living daily is how we get victory. And that's what this, this chapter is about, is how to do that. And then look at verse 14. For as many as are led, circle led, by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So to build up, to build up the works of the Spirit in your heart, men and women, to be wholehearted disciples is daily, It's a life, and it's learning to be led. Well, you learn to be led by doing the first two. And the way you do the first two is as you spend time in God's Word, as you take God's Word, and and I'm lost everything in my computer for a while. I found it, by the way, but I lost my program. So I've just been, I've been in the Word, taking my study Bible here, because I, I can't, I don't have the program anymore for my Bible but this, so this is what I use in my quiet time. So when I go into spending time with, in the Word, oftentimes with Liz, we do it together. We just take a verse, and we work through a chapter, oftentimes in the Psalms, and we read a verse, and then we pray it back to the Lord. We pray it back to the Lord. And, and I mean, it's, it's not anointed. It's not anointed. It's like, it's like really kind of dry half the time. But we do it, and then, and then like the third day, you hit a verse like, oh, man. And God speaks to our heart. 
And so, so when we're doing this, it's not like it's this really just, ah, oh, Jesus, you know. And you just feel like his spirit is just over you. And, you, you know, with the light shining in through the window, you can see a halo on your wife or something. It's not like that, you know. It's, it's, it's daily. It's life. But then God shows up and he leads you. And when he leads you and speaks to you, it's evidence of you being sons and daughters of God. So let's pick it up at verse 15. And I guess I would call this destroying, destroying the works of the devil part two. Verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage. You know why he says that? Because most of us live with a spirit of bondage. He's not saying it. Because he's just trying to make a point, a theological point. He's saying it because the Roman Christians are still living in bondage. That's why he started in verse 1. There's no condemnation. Because, guys, we live so much of the time in shame. And we live in bondage. And that's where demons hang out. They hang out in bondage. We hang out in religious bondage. We hang out in fear of, of our partner. I mean, women, if you think you got problems with your man, it's because they are so scared of you. I mean, I know I is a man. I know what it's like. I fear my wife half the time, okay? Seriously, and it's an issue. I need help. I need therapy. But the reality is, is that we men, the way we're wired is we want to please, but also we're wired with a different kind of way of looking at life than women. We, we have this masculine side of the image of God, and you beautiful women have a feminine uh, side of the image of God. It's both, it's, it's the image of God. They're equal. But the reality is, I'm different. My role's different. My goals are different. Your role's different. And so in that, if we get it right, if we use the Bible as our guide, we complement. We complement each other. But, but so many of us are not doing that. We live in bondage. And so he's saying here, look, you guys, I don't want you to live in bondage anymore. You did not receive the spirit of bondage. It's over. Technically, the spirit of condemnation and the spirit of bondage is over. Done with. Has no power. You go, yeah, well, it's not, it's not happening in my life. Well, that's why we're here. Okay, it's job security for me. Okay, um, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, because that's where it always goes is fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And that means daddy in the Aramaic, daddy. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So what he's saying is that the Spirit has come to bear witness in your spirit that you are now adopted into a new family and you are beloved. Saints, you are beloved. You have a new father. That father on earth did the best that he could or maybe didn't do the best that he could. But that's not your father anymore in the sense of the development of your heart. He had his chance. He had his chance. He had the first 18 years. And some of, them, some of the fathers that we, we have in this room were awesome and some were not. But the reality is there's a transference now. You're adopted into a new family. You don't have to carry that same stigma and that same shame from the past. It's done. 
And so he's saying, here's how we begin to grow so that we can be led by the Spirit. And he's saying, first of all, in verse 17, he said, look, you're a joint heir with Christ. That means, men and women, that we are being prepared to be co-regents on this earth to pull together what was the original command in Genesis chapter 1, 27 and 28, to rule over this earth. And we will rule over this earth. If you think that heaven is going to be, you know, all of us up there with little harps and violins, I can tell you right now, every guy in this room that has a masculine, any side of a masculine heart, that's not appealing. (laughs) It's not. And it actually has nothing to do with biblical reality. The biblical reality is it's going to be a recreated heaven and earth. And we're going to be here. We're going to be in a beautiful earth, and we're going to rule over creation. And, and I believe that Scripture is very clear that according to the life we lived here, God will give us uh, reigning uh, abilities and anointings on this new earth. And, and, and I think it's going to be surprising who doesn't get a lot. I think people who had a lot on this earth who did very little with it for the kingdom, will have nothing there. I mean, they're, I mean, they're going to get saved. But I'm talking about, I want rewards. How about you? And God is very clear about rewards. And so, so God is preparing you and me. And guess how he prepares us? You're not going to like this part. It's right here in the verse. If children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, comma, if indeed we suffer with him. Suffering is the greatest school of higher learning in the spiritual life. That's why the health and wealth gospel that we see on TV is a sham. It's heresy. This idea that we can name it and claim it and that, you know, there's going to be this kind of kingdom on earth by and by, by you just claiming the promises of God is a sham, folks. The reality is, is that God does his best work. You're not going to like this. There'll be nobody here next week. But (laughs) is that he does his best work when you suffer. If you let the suffering transform you into Christ-likeness. So is everything about creation tells us this. Everything about our bodies tells us this. I worked out today. So I watched Georgia, and when there was a commercial break, I went down and did my workout. And then I came out, and I, and I, was, I was suffering in both places. So I should really have some reigning abilities today. And I'm like, oh, you know, just slam me in the room as Bama just scores another touchdown and blocks a punt. And then go downstairs and then work out. But you tear down, right? You tear down your muscles and they get rebuilt. God even built within the fabric of creation, which we're about to read, through suffering, how he builds us stronger. Verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us. So he's saying here that there is actually a correlation between suffering and glory. That's why we're going to read all things work together for good in a few minutes. Because what God is doing is he's tearing down you. So that if you will allow him in the spirit, he'll build up himself in you. So the goal of life 
is not to get as much as you can and sit on your can. The goal of life is actually that we would become conformed increasingly to the image of Christ. Now, for you that are struggling in your marriage, that's really good news because you're suffering. And if the husband and the wife will come to the same conclusion that they're being conformed to the image of Christ, you could have the most powerful, dynamic, wonderful marriage ever through the suffering you're going through. And so quit pointing the finger, but actually look within and say, what's God doing in me? How am I being built up with the works of the Spirit that are destroying the works of the devil in my life? It's usually, unfortunately, through suffering. But if we can have that mindset, church, it changes everything. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Now just circle in verse 18, sufferings. Verse 20, futility. Verse 21, bondage, corruption. And verse 22, labors. So God uses sufferings. He uses futility. He uses bondage. This is sort of where the demons hang out. This is where the demons hang out right here. Because most people curse God. Most people run. Most people cut and run right here. Most believers do. Because it's hard. It's hard to be a disciple. It takes everything within you to be a wholehearted disciple. Men, women, you're created to be wholehearted. And wholeheartedness is learning and growing that we are sons and daughters of God. And that's how he reveals that we're sons and daughters of God is even through difficult times. And so even creation is watching. I don't get this at all. It's like, you know, these like the trees are watching. I, mean, I don't know. That sounds, sounds a little bit like Taoism or something to me. But it's like creation even understands there's something unique about human beings. There's something at a higher level. And our biologists in our major universities don't even get this. I mean, they're what we call educated idiots. Okay? Because they don't even understand this. It's like, oh, we're just, you know, we're just... Just, a, just an animal, we're just kind of one of the species, and so forth. No, we're the highest of creation by God. And you can't say that unless you believe in a creator God. So Jadis, I don't know if it's Jadis or Jadis, but she's that queen. She's the, she's the queen in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And so she has taken over um, Narnia for 100 years. And, uh, and she's made it perpetual winter, remember that? See, it's a beautiful picture by C.S. Lewis of what demons do. They want to lock you and I into a perpetual winner. But God wants to change us. God wants to transform us. And we don't have to stay here. Because God, in his work, is revealing the sons of God. And so I've asked Lee, Lee Offner to share about kind of what happened to him at the uh, Whole Heart Advance. And how God's doing stuff in his life. Thank you, Lee. Let's welcome Lee Offner. 
Uh, thank you, Steve. Um, I wish I could be as eloquent a speaker as, as Steve, so please bear with me. Um, when I learned about the advance, I thought, I, I don't know what to expect, uh, but I was excited. I wanted to go. I wanted to be there. So I excited, I decided to go. I've been meeting in a D group for about a year with Paul Stanley, and that's been a great adventure as well. And fortunately, we were placed in D groups at the advance, and I was placed in Paul's group there also. And Paul asked that Thursday afternoon when we first arrived, he said, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And I, I didn't realize until D group this week that he was quoting 1 Kings, 1 Kings 19. What are you doing here? So immediately, my mind raced to my wife, Sherry. Was this the Holy Spirit talking to me? Well, I don't know, perhaps. Sherry and I have been married 40 years. Uh, and Sherry's been a Christ follower for longer than she can remember. I trusted Christ about 10 years into our marriage, trusted him as my Lord and Savior. We have two great kids uh, who both trust and love Christ. Our daughter, Courtney, is here with her husband, Kirk. Sherry's put up with a lot from me over the years. Anger, impatience, indecision, half-hearted, as Steve has described. I've, over the years, not been very loving nor very lovely. And she hadn't been either sometimes. So when Paul asked us, what are we doing here? I was reminded, and probably from the Holy Spirit, that Sherry truly is a gift of God. A treasure that I often do not appreciate. So my prayer at that time kind of went like this. Father God... Sherry's your daughter before she's my wife. Teach me to love her like you do. And I, I know I can't, but the Holy Spirit can. And the Holy Spirit through me can, even when she is unlovely. What was amazing during the adventure, during the advance, was we knew the ladies were praying for us 24 hours a day, every day before, during, and after the advance. So ladies, we knew it, we felt it. Thank you for that. It really gave us strength. And again, it's amazing. We've been taught that when God sees us, when God looks down on earth and sees us, he sees us as Christ. Totally forgiven, unconditionally loved. And this is how I want to love my wife. I'm glad you added the part about sometimes she's not easy to love, too, because every guy in the room can relate to that. You ever get tired of these commercials on TV? It always makes the guy look like a total idiot. So you're not so great yourselves, ladies, sometimes. So I just want you to know that, okay? All right. Not all our fault, okay? All right. Verse 23. So not only that, we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. 
For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So we are, men and women, the first fruits of the Spirit. So one of the ways that we know that we're growing in the Spirit is that the first fruits of the Spirit, even in the midst of our groaning, are being evidenced of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. And you could look around you and look into your own life and say, well, I don't hardly see those ever in my life. And that's fine. But maybe the next day you will. The reality is is that we've been given a deposit is what Galatians says. So we've been given a deposit of the Spirit church that gives us hope. Hope for what will be a redemption day that the Catholics call a beatific vision. The beatific vision is that day when, when we will be in glory. So suffering is preparing us for glory, and glory is being evidenced in your life through suffering. So suffering creates glory because, verse 26, likewise the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we or how we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So this word weakness is so huge here. And we talked about this at the whole heart advance. I mention it from time to time here that the key to wholeheartedness is vulnerability. It's being willing to acknowledge weakness. It is the Number one, most difficult thing for men to do is acknowledge weakness. In thousands of studies, Brene Brown has found that among women, it's their appearance. And among men, it's appearing to be weak. Those are the areas that become our shame areas. And so he's saying that for those that are growing in Christ to destroy the works of the devil, is we actually, this sounds counterintuitive, we acknowledge our weakness. You see, that's why pride is so dangerous. Kind of that smug, I've got it all figured out, tell me something I don't know kind of attitude. You're never going to grow that way. You will not grow. And I'll tell you, if you keep that pride in the forefront of your life, God will get your attention, but you won't like it very much. So that's why the scriptures say, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might raise you up. He might lift you up in his proper time. Wouldn't you rather be humbling yourself before the Lord than having the Lord Almighty humble you? So we humble ourselves, realizing our weakness, so that the Spirit now has access into our heart. So we can learn to pray. We can learn to seek the Lord. Now, verse 27. One of our favorite verses in the Bible. All of us quote it. We love it. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. So see the context, church. It's important we see the context. It's under groanings. It's under... Is that rain? Wow, I thought it was a beautiful day when I came in earlier. It's raining, okay? 
under groanings, under weaknesses, that's when the Spirit, in verse 27, searches the hearts. Okay, everybody, get, I want your attention again. Everybody's looking at each other. I don't know why. Like, everybody's like, why did you, did you roll up the windows? I don't know what you're doing, but everybody suddenly went like this. Okay, I'm still here. All right, here. All right. This is important. Okay, I really think it's important. If you miss it, then, well, you miss it. I'm not going to repeat it. But um, that he makes intercession with weak people. God's Spirit makes intercession with weak people. You want to be stronger in the Lord? Get weaker. You want to grow stronger against the the works of the devil? Then become weaker in yourself. Don't boast about what you can do. Boast about what you can't do. Don't talk about how great you are or position yourself to be kind of the cool guy or the cool gal, actually humble yourself, serve, and God begins to work out his plan, and then all things work together for good to those who love him and call according to his purpose. Now, good news? That is the opposite of the culture, church. As everything the opposite of the culture, that's the opposite of the Christian church. I mean, the church among men, I'd say, I've been in church for, since I, I, was, I was in the church six, nine months before I was born with my mom. Okay, and so for a lot of years, I've been in the church, and most guys in the church are posers and pretenders, because we got we have this persona of having it all together that we need to project, right? Not at the road. Let's just bust that bubble. And the reality is, the weaker we are, the stronger He is if we trust in Him. And so doing, all things work together for good. I'll tell you what, you know, Liz spoke from Titus, and I was looking at her notes. She wanted me to look at her notes the other night before she spoke. She had a great quote by George Mueller, the great prayer warrior. And he said, there's two things that have guided my life, my whole life. Number one, always be in the Word. Always be in the Word. And number two, have a clear conscience. What a great quote. You see, if we keep a clear conscience in all of our relationships, and we are in the Word... All things will work together for good. They will. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, there he also has justified. And, and whom he justified, those he also glorified. So the key word here is conformed to the image of his son. So God is using weakness. God is using shame. God is using your failures. God is using your mistakes. God is using your inabilities, that you, uh, your intellectual limitations. God is using your lack of athletic ability. God is using your hurt and pain of the past where you were raped or you were abused or maybe you didn't have a mom and dad that cared about you and, and you've carried that scar in your life. God's using all of that to conform you to the image of his son because he loves you and you're a beloved saint. And nobody can take that away. No principality, no power, no demon of hell can take that away. And the more you build up the works of the spirit, you will destroy the works of the devil. I promise you it works. It works. And so then he comes to this crescendo and this is just awesome. And, and I wish we had another, another hour to talk about it. But let's just read it. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Don't miss this, guys. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? That could be coming, gang. That could be coming. As long as we are so fearful of doing anything in the Middle East, ISIL's going to grow stronger. I know history pretty well. And it really reminds me of 1932 to 1939 in Europe with Adolf Hitler, where we did nothing and we're doing nothing now. So this could happen to believers. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. So that guy goes into Oregon. He says to the kids, stand up. He makes his, are you a Christian? Shoots him in the head. Are you a Christian? Shoots him in the head. We are nothing about it in the New York Times. We are nothing about it in the Washington Post. We are losing our religious freedom. This is coming This is why we're going into Joel. This is why we're going into Revelation. We've got to be a prepared people. We've got to know how to walk in the Spirit. There is no political Messiah. We need a spiritual awakening in this country. We need a revival and we need an awakening and we need Christians to live like Christ. And we will suffer. But then he says this, yet, yet, In all these things, we are more than conquerors. And actually that in the Greek means super conquerors. He can't use a stronger word for conquer. He's saying, I'm not talking about you just being a soldier of the Lord. I'm talking about being a conqueror, a super conqueror in Christ. Through him, not through you, not through your power, but through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors. We are super conquerors as we build up the works of the Spirit within our hearts. And then you become wholehearted. You become a wholehearted worshiper. You become a wholehearted warrior. Because when you're half-hearted You're half human. When you're half-hearted, you're half human. I want to be fully human. How about you? He just said it. To be fully human is to be wholehearted. That's what we were created for. It's the false self to be half-hearted. And that's what demons do. It is the spirit-filled life to be wholehearted. Because Jesus says, love me with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. And when we do that, men and women, we kick back darkness. We move back darkness. Can you imagine in this nation, can you imagine just in this church, if we start living this way daily, if we would, if we renew our minds, 
we'd get up, we'd spend time in God's word, we'd have a relationship with him that's growing, what an impact it would have in the economy and in the educational system and in the political arena and in, uh, in our businesses and every aspect of the culture if believers just acted like believers and were wholehearted in Christ. Brene Brown writes, we cultivate love when we allow our most vulnerable and powerful selves to be deeply seen and known. And when we honor the spiritual connection that grows from that offering with trust, respect, kindness, and affection. Love is not growing. Love is not something we give or get. It is something that we nurture and grow. A connection that can only be cultivated between two people when it exists within each one of them We can only love others as much as we love ourselves. And so I've written a prayer. And it's in your notes. And um, I believe this prayer, if if we pray this prayer daily, you'll begin to see God do amazing things. And this is a prayer that I wrote for you, for us, that incorporates scripture. And it's a warfare prayer. So if you'd stand with me, I'm going to read this prayer. You don't have to read it with me because I know some of you don't have it. But let me read it to you. And then I would just encourage you to go to the app and you can download it or go to our notes and you can download it. And may it be a prayer each day. And I'm going to say it as a prayer. And so worship team's getting ready. And then I'm just going to say, Philip, when you get ready, you guys can play behind me even as I pray this prayer. I call it the wholehearted warrior prayer. Really original, you know. But uh, it's original for us. But you got we hear that all the time. But I think it incorporates what we just read in Romans 8 and what we studied over the last couple weeks. Lord, I want to thank you and praise you that you're a warrior father. That's, by the way, that's Exodus uh, 5.3, that God calls himself a warrior. Lord, I want to thank you and praise you that you're a warrior father who cares, loves, and fights for your children. I want to thank you, Lord, that I'm your beloved son. I'm your beloved daughter. I worship you and thank you that you're always for me. You constantly love me and you live within me. I praise you that nothing can separate me from you. Thank you, Lord, that you gave your son Jesus on the cross in order to forgive me of all my sins, past, present, and future. And thus you will freely give me all things. I thank you, Lord, that nothing, not my sin or anyone's sin against me, no famine, no hardship, no difficulties, and no demon can separate me from your love. Jesus, I want to praise you that you came to this earth to destroy the works of the devil. I want to thank you that you have the power to destroy the works of the devil and demons because you died on the cross as a sinless perfect sacrifice for all the sins of the world and then you rose again from the dead and thus conquered all the power of the enemy thank you lord jesus lord you have said that i am more than a conqueror because of your love for me as a conqueror and a warrior i put on the full armor of god I put on the helmet of salvation and I ask you to renew my mind with thoughts that are good, wholesome, pure, right, and true. I take captive any bad 
malicious thoughts that would rob me of joy. I say no to negative, sinful thoughts that would cause me to be hurtful of others. I say yes to a mindset that is full of your love, abundance, and mercy. I put on the breastplate of righteousness right now, and I ask you, Lord, to protect my heart, my motives, my integrity, and the intentions of my heart. God, use my heart to love you, to love myself, and to love others today. By the blood of Jesus, I put on the belt of truth. Today, I will believe truth, act on truth, walk in truth. I will base my choices on truth, not the falsehoods and deceptive lies of the enemy. Truth will guide me today. In the name of Jesus, I take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Today, I commit to reading, praying over, and meditating in God's Word, your Bible. Speak to me, Lord. Minister to my heart, Lord. Open up revelation and wisdom to me, Jesus, from your Word today. Today, by the cross of Calvary, through the blood of Jesus, I hold high the shield of faith. Lord, you say that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I study, read, and pray through your word so that my faith will be strengthened. Empower my faith, Lord. Increase my faith, Jesus. By the blood and resurrection power of Jesus, I shod my feet with the gospel of peace. Lord, wherever I go, whomever I meet, may I be a peacemaker. I reject the demonic tendencies of comparison, jealousy, envy, and lust. And I choose to bring peace, love, and compassion into all my relationships. Thank you, Lord, for being my warrior father, my warrior king. Thank you for strengthening my inner man, my heart. Jesus, I dedicate my thoughts, my motives, and my relationships to you today. Empower me. And use me for your kingdom purpose today. Cover me and my family with the blood of Jesus. In the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I commit this day to you. Amen. So men and women, may that be a blessing to you. I would encourage you to read that prayer. Make it a true prayer from your heart each day. And watch what God will do to be, bring freedom and greater joy as the first fruits of the kingdom in your family. You've been listening to The Road with pastor-teacher Steve Holt. We pray that you've been blessed by the message today. Our hope is to make wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's why we teach the Word of God verse by verse, scripture by scripture, and precept upon precept. We're excited about all the things God is doing in the lives of our faithful listeners. We understand that there are many trials and tribulations in this world, love to be able to pray for you as you encounter difficult times. Please drop us a note and let us know how we can pray for you. Write us at The Road, P.O. Box 88485, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80908. If you've been blessed by this message, please let us know as well. Again, the address is The Road, P.O. Box 88485, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80908. If you're in the area, please stop on by and join us at The Road for our Saturday night service at 6 p.m. We meet at Chapel Hills Church, located at 2025 Parliament Drive, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80920. In addition, you can find out more about The Road by going to our website at theroadcs.org. 
That's theroadcs.org. Make sure you follow us on Facebook as well. That's facebook.com slash theroadcs. If you tweet, you can join the conversation with us at Road Companions. As always, we covet your prayers. Thanks again for tuning in today. And be sure to catch us again next time for another edition of The Road with Pastor Teacher Steve Holt.